Hello, ako si Judas Cavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Raffler Podcast episode kung saan nihimay natin ang mga mayinit at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Raffler's Newsbreak, Beyond the Stories. Hello, ako si Judas Cavilan. Kayo ay nanonood ng bagong episode ng Newsbreak, Beyond the Stories kung saan nihimay natin ang mga malalaking isyu sa Pilipinas. Sa episode ito, pag-uusapan natin ang isyong haharapin ni President-elect Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos Jr. sa foreign affairs. Ano ang magiging isyura ng foreign policy niya? May pagbabago ba ito mula sa China-friendly Duterte administration? Tatalakay natin ang isyong ito kasama ang Rappler Foreign Affairs reporter na si Sofia Tomacruz. Hi Sofia, thank you for joining me today. Hi Judas, thank you for having me back here. So Sofia, before we dive into the Marcos administration, I wanted to discuss muna the Duterte situation. No? Mahaba ang anim na taon para i-discuss ito sa isang 30-minute show. Pero ikaw, how would you describe the past six years in terms of foreign affairs? Sige, mahaba nga no, Judas, pero try natin pa rin. If you were to ask me a few words to describe the past six years, it would really be that um, it was characterized by unpredictability and confusion. So, of course, we saw a host of issues that took place over the last six years, but the major ones were really, you know, the controversial pivot to China, as you mentioned, yung distancing natin sa mga traditional allies like the United States, and how issues at home like the war on drugs and shrinking space for dissent were defended abroad. Of course, we can't forget how human rights abuses um, also put our trade perks at stake. And I think that was also just something that was just brought up again today as the Duterte administration is now outgoing. So all of this, of course, took place no, under the umbrella of pursuing an independent foreign policy. Na hindi naman bago, nagkaroon lang ulit ng currency under this administration due to all the moves that Duterte was making. But in several instances, I think all of these instances that I mentioned, it saw us kind of become isolated no, from countries that protect human rights and democracy. So I mentioned unpredictability and confusion, but the third word I would use to describe over the last six years would be, in a way, also inconsistencies or being inconsistent because Duterte wanted, for instance, to separate from the U.S., but would often claim that his hands were tied with China. So he'd say one thing and he'd say one thing to one audience and the complete opposite to another so inconsistent talaga. At, of course, you can't forget, pandemic is still ongoing. But during the pandemic, which took up the last two years of his administration, no, there was a lot of focus in tapping our relationships with other countries to get access to things like aid and vaccines. So in some ways, I would say unpredictable, sometimes confusing, inconsistent nga. Pero yung pandemia, yun talaga yung parang crisis na nagbigay ng reality check din. Not only to the leadership of Duterte, but also who the genuine partners are of the Philippines. And I think it also reinforced the fact that countries need each other as much as really controversial statements were made towards specific countries. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of issues. Parang while I was serving or trying to look back the past six years of foreign affairs, parang it's all over the place. So I, parang nagkataka ko, paano niya na-cover ito ng maayos? Pero Sofia, what foreign affairs issue stood out for you or something na hindi mo malilimutan in the past six years? Mm-hmm. I think maraming issue talaga technology this, but I think if you were to ask me what I find is the common thread among all the really controversial issues that stood out over the last six years, it was really how personal at times the foreign policy decisions of the government became, and mostly because of Duterte's pronouncements. So, for instance, you saw it in 
how Duterte did not like the U.S. for the most part for the past six years. Because criticize yung drug war niya. Pero things like the Visiting Forces Agreement were placed under threat because he was angry you know, about the visa of his first police chief being revoked or you know so there's so many things that were left under threat and so many things that we were so unsure about so unstable na parang yung pwedeng gawin lang ng mga ibang tao was just to weather the roller coaster until the next administration so yeah anything about criticisms from the drug war from foreign governments not only the US but really anybody outside like yung mga UN of yung mga UN experts yung mga UN reporters it would always earn them curses and threats, diba? And conversely, if you praise, more often than not, you'll be kept in the clear. Many times, we remember that Duterte called China his best friend. Mm. And he hoped to really reap a lot of economic gains that have largely yet to materialize six years on. Most of it, at least. Um, hindi naman nawala, pero most of it has yet to really materialize. So, yun talaga yung nag-standout sa akin, na sobrang, at times, sobrang personal. Yung, yung mga foreign policy decisions when, you know, there should be, it should be more than that. Because yeah. the position of one country is precisely that, an entire country and not just one person. Yes. And of course, as you mentioned nga, madami rin bubu sa foreign affairs sa arena. Meron ka ba naisip na issue na dito Duterte could have done or handled better? Or may part ba na of the foreign policy spectrum na they completely neglected? Well, sa akin to this, it would really have to be the way that the arbitral award was handled. Because it was precisely handed down during his administration. At the very beginning, it was a, it was a gift to the entire country. And, you know, that victory belong to Filipinos, yeah. right? It didn't belong to, to Duterte or the Duterte government. But it was neglected for most of its term, for a number of years. And that really saw us miss a crucial moment to rally international support around the ruling and try to get China to comply. There was a big window of opportunity that we really just let pass. And I think it was only around the fourth year since the award was handed down, that the DFA under Secretary Teddy Boyloxin really finally took this up seriously. Because more often than not, whenever the anniversary of the Hague ruling would be celebrated, quiet lang yung government, diba. But in the fourth year, there was a very forceful statement. And since then, the government continues to raise this consistently, on the part of the DFA at least. Yung challenge lang ay kung si Duterte mismo yung parang nagdi-dismiss, di ba? Nagdi-dismiss no. niya yung, mga, yung Hague ruling or binamaliit niya. Because I say that's a challenge because even if you have agencies like the DFA and diplomats and the Secretary of Foreign Affairs really raising this at every instance. Kung yung presidente mo mismo yung sasabi na parang itatapan niya lang yung sa busura, yung he grueling, you know, it sets you back. It sets the position back one step. And because he is the president and his words matter. I just want to say na that's not to say all is lost, no? Yeah. The Hague ruling is still there. We need to leverage it and continue raising it and gathering support around it. Pero yun lang. Nawala yung isang key opportunity and we lost a lot of ground because the ball was dropped essentially and one last point on the Hague ruling I, some people may be asking eh ang tagal na nun diba parang wala namang nagbago um, so baka wala nang civilian or di na namin magagamit yun but I think one thing to be remembered also is that 
you know, the Philippines really has a responsibility to lead the way in the West Philippine scene in the South China Sea because we pursued that arbitration and we won. So it's part of setting the rules as a responsible country and not to mention, of course, the fact that it's part of fighting for and protecting Philippine sovereignty. Yes. Well, let's spark that context of the Duterte administration, where we are coming from, particularly in The Hague. And I'll back to you regarding that during the later part of the program. But ngayon na going into the Americas administration, it's less than 15 days before the the inauguration of Marcos Jr. What can we say so far about his foreign affairs in terms of his current pronouncement siguro? Kasi I remember you telling me before na medyo mahirap pa. Pero so far, ano yung mga hints na nakikita mo kung magigitsura ng kanyang foreign policy or how he will handle foreign affairs under his rule? Well, to be honest, Jodes, mahirap pa rin. <laughs> Pero well, there's really only really been one concrete, explicit, clear thing that he said so far na he will defend Philippine sovereignty and uphold the Hague ruling um, around noon from statements he made in the campaign trail. But yeah. to quote him, he said, referring to the Philippines' position in the West Philippines, he said, it's not a claim, it's already a right. And, and then he said also, that's what the arbitral ruling can do to help us. So... Of course, good news yun, diba? Yeah. But if there's anything we've learned over the past few years is that statements like these, while they are good, are only the first step, right? They always need to be backed up by consistent action. Yeah. And there are many ways to, to do that, many ways to start, many ways to prove that you actually mean what you say. At may mga suggestions nga si former Secretary of Foreign Affairs, Albert Del Rosario, sabi niya parang, pwede itong erase sa UNGA, sa, which we also know, of course, Marcos is considering attending in September. Yeah. Kasama na rin dito yung pagkukonsolidate ng support from different countries. Of course, so you can also hold China accountable for environmental crimes in the West Philippine Sea. At of course, kailangan din mabibuild yung capacity ng armed forces to defend the West Philippine Sea. At ito lang yung mga suggestions ni Del Rosario. Ang dami-daming suggestions din si retired Justice Carpio that has that he's floated for so many years. And so many experts also have raised a lot of first points. You know, you won't run out of things to do. When it yeah. comes to trying to push for our position here in, in the West Philippine Sea. But other than that, no, West Philippine Sea lang yun. Other than that, it's still sort of a guessing game hmm. on how, on what position Marcos will take. Marcos will take in a lot of other issues. Not to mention, he has yet to name a Secretary of Foreign Affairs and Secretary of National Defense. Although he has named, of course, Professor Clarita Carlos as his National Security Advisor. You talk about experts earlier, former Foreign Affairs Secretary Del Rosario, about his recommendations regarding the Hague ruling. Pero in the bigger picture, Sofia, you've talked to, to, Mark, to experts then about Marcos' administration, the prospects. What are they saying about the incoming administration? I mean, of course, you've said there that it's limited, pa, medyo vague, pa yung natin. but of course, baka meron din mga behind-the-scene talks among experts. What are they afraid of? Or are they saying that they're afraid Mm, right. So, yung prominent talaga na usapan sa among the experts is really what his policy will be towards the US and China. He's been vocal about wanting to continue the friendly ties to China that we saw under the Duterte administration. I think it's also worth mentioning there's a lot of history that he's attached to when it comes to China, for example, because it's under his father that the Philippines signed the joint communique with China, which really formalized diplomatic ties. Tapos kasama na rin dun yung 
one china policy that we still follow up until today and just recently no present she's a philippines china friendship day celebration at yeah, dumaan siya dun with some of his family. You know, he also has a quite unique relationship with the U.S. It's not a secret that the U.S. supported his father, the late dictator, for a long time. And eventually facilitated their uh, exit to Hawaii when Filipinos ousted the Marx family from power. He's Western educated. He spent a lot of time in the U.S. It's where he met his wife. But, of course, he and his mother also faced pending cases there. So, I think... Yung sinabi ni Marites Vitug, yung editor-at-large natin na Bajetes, na it's really, what she said really encapsulated it. It might be a love-hate relationship which may surface in his policy towards the U.S. But experts also don't see Marcos being as anti-U.S. as Duterte. But I think, you know, U.S. and China aside, what they're saying about the incoming administration is whereas Duterte, you had a lot of unpredictability, maybe with the Marcos administration, you'll have some stability hopefully yeah over the next few years and that would be a major relief to not just to industry experts but also to us journalists who won't be like every time na magsalita ay parang caught by surprise because we're left wondering if, if it's going to be another policy or this is just like bluff talk long mm-hmm. from the president which we've seen in the past six years under Duterte. You mentioned kanina na parang love-hate relationship nga possible and parang medyo vague pa or binabantayan ng mga tao ng mga experts kung magiging ayos ang relationship niya with US as opposed to what happened during the Duterte administration na ultimo a VFA ay allegedly sinira dahil sa visa ng kanyang police chief. Yung mga ganitong extreme pivots, Sophia, na from, for example, being, uh, of course, under the Aquino administration, naging aggressive tayo against China because of the case. Going to the Duterte administration, naging friendly tayo with China. Umabot pa sa fact nga, of course, iba na parang dinadowntrade, dinadismiss na presidente yung Hague ruling na very historic for the, not just Philippines but in the region also. And then now, medyo vague pa ngayon, pero considering the history of Marcos nga with the family, ayun, and then, but history with both countries, baka at either maging pro-China or pro-US or a mix of both. Yung mga gaitong pivots in between administrations, is this good or bad or nawawala yung continuity or nakakasira to ng mga, kunyari merong mga, of course may mga projects or programs na hindi naman matatapos in six years. It's beyond administrations. Yung mga gaitong pivots ba or ganitong mga extreme na pa, takbo-takbo ng bangka na inaano mo ay nakakapekto sa mga ganito, mga gaitong mga plano. Yeah. You know, I think kung wala kang consideration of the big picture na passing administration ka lang, may time limit ka, may lifespan, it's bad because you have countries like China na they're playing the long game, right? And how is the Philippines supposed to protect its interests if every administration nagbabago lang yung position? So parang nag-uumpasa ulit tayo sa not naman starting from scratch, but the lack of continuity is also could become a weakness on our part because while you have other countries thinking of a very long-term vision, palagi tayong six years, six years, six years, right? And it's hard to formulate position if it, if it will always be changing. You essentially don't have a position, right? So I think without any consideration for the big picture, it's bad because I think it only reflects that if these extreme positions keep, you know, keep staying extreme, well, yung kawawa dito, of course, is yung mga Pilipino. Na at the end of the day, sila pa rin yung affected. 
you know, by essentially all, all the extreme positions. It's not just the countries that are affected, no? Like, let's say, US or China are, 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 are different partners. It's also really, at the end of the day, Filipinos who are affected by the back and forth. And of course, now we'll talk about the future. Well, by future, I mean 15 days from now, it's the new president of the Philippines, some other Marcos, the Marcos Jr. Uh, Sophia, what will be the biggest issues that the Marcos administration will have to deal with eventually? Siguro may mamakakari over from the Duterte administration. Yeah, of course. Well, yung mamakakari over, I think the first one would be yung pending ICC investigation na for now on hold, but it probably won't be on hold forever. So that will definitely be an issue that the incoming administration will have to deal with, no? But then, of course, yung West Philippine Sea, like, we, like we've been talking about, that's one immediate big issue that the new administration will have to handle. But aside from that, yung mga malalaking issue din ay yung, I think, rule of law in the world. Lalo na ngayon na may guerra sa Ukraine, di ba? At ang daming questions surrounding, you know, the old, not old, but the, the rules-based, what people call the rules-based order, no? I think one issue related to that will really be this big question of how committed we are to that. You know, how committed we are to, to defending the rule of law in the world, which of course will be related to how the rule of law here in the Philippines will be upheld. You know, all these things are also calling into question a lot of systems like how the United Nations works. Is it able to reach all its goals? I think that it will also be something that maybe not Marcos per se will have to answer, but our diplomats under this under this incoming administration will have to answer and hopefully or, or, and perhaps take direction from the way Marcos will speak when he, he becomes president. No, But, you know, writing the rules, for example, in the West Philippine Sea, that's that's a big issue that we'll be facing throughout the next six years and even beyond that, no? And we have to keep in mind that these actions that we're taking make the rules and that the rules will become applicable in many other venues, no? So it's not just the West Philippine Sea, it's beyond that. But the UN system, no, being, like, like I mentioned a while ago, being called into question, will we play an active part in shaping its future as we did in its past under Carlos Romulo, we were very much involved in how the character and spirit of the UN, you know, every country having one equal vote, we were very much a part of that. And so I think those are also big questions that the incoming administration will have to face. Yes. And I remember in our past conversations, of course, off air, you mentioned, Sophia, always na tipong ano, no, na one of the things that the Marcos administration or the president, the incoming president himself, will have to face or basically deal with is yung, he has to prove his legitimacy, mm-hmm. uh, his administration legitimacy. Because of course, hindi naman, like in the Philippines, na medyo very burdened by this information, yung history ng family niya, which are facts na uh, the family, his family are, had has ill-gotten wealth, his father's rule was married with violence, killings, and they never apologize for, for these things. They've never acknowledged the sins of their family. Outside the Philippines, well-known ito. It's in history books when, when, people, when experts mm-hmm. outside talk about democracy, young democracies, diba? Malaking parte yung 1986 revolution. Pero, ano yun? So, parang, ano magiging, ano mangyayari na, or parang, in what way, na mag-figure in itong pag-prove the legitimacy ng kanya administration? Or, mm-hmm. or do you think that magiging, ano to, magiging long-term na parang 
a birthmark or scar sa kanin sa, kanin, sa administration niya. Yeah. Well, kasi the budget is yung itong recent election cycle. Prati sinasabi ng mga observers, experts, pati rin yung tao dito na yung pagbalik ng mga Marcos sa Malacanang, ito talaga yung bale full circle na yung decades-long project of the family to rehabilitate its name. And I think, well, the reason why I mentioned that to you about legitimacy was si Prof. Aris Arugay na faculty ng UP Political Science. Sabi niya na parang, we have to keep in mind that itong redemption narrative of the Marcoses is not really, it's not only for Filipinos. It's also for an international audience. So, in that sense, you can use your foreign policy to strengthen the legitimacy no, of your presidency. Because the story of martial law and people power is not only known by Filipinos. It's Sometimes in other countries, it's what they know the Philippines for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is that possibility and perhaps not even really a possibility so much as it is, I don't, don't want to say conclusion, but there is that mm-hmm. platform, of course, to use yeah. the, you know, crafting of foreign policy to show the world and prove to the world that that's not the end of the story for the family. There's yeah. a new chapter, as yeah. they would say. There's a new Basically, diba? at the same time, there's that part about using the foreign policy. Pero kasama na rin dito yung kailangan, kailangan na siya mag-perform. Diba? It's time for him to deliver on all the promises he made. At interesting din kasi kanina lang, may, may nagpadalang statement si former Secretary Albert De La Rosario. Tapos sabi niya parang, everybody, I'll quote him, it's like everybody has the capacity to become a better person. If one chooses to be a leader, one can also certainly choose to be a better leader or one can choose to be the best ever leader. So, you know, he was telling, he was referring to Bongbong Marcos, of course, when he was saying that, nah, aside from performing here at home, when it comes to foreign policy and, you know, proving himself, yeah. not only to Filipinos, but the world, um, kaya naman yang gawin to by just asking a very simple question of what's the best thing to do for Filipinos. So, yeah. And that's what I mean by how Marcos might use, you know, foreign affairs and foreign policy to prove his legitimacy. Because, oh, may international audience din. And then also, I, ge- I gave na this parang pahapyaw previous question regarding the ill-gotten of the family. This thing that will trail them wherever they will go. Of course, meron din mga cases or issues na hinaharap sila sa ibang bansa, particularly in the US, diba? How do you think this will, itong mga, yung mga scenes ng family nila, how do you think this will figure in or affect the, the administration of Marcos Jr., both short-term and long-term? Mm-hmm. Well, kagaya ng sinabi ko kanina, diba? It's his story. It's off, I'm, I'm not sure how often, but you can certainly say that for some countries and for some foreigners, it's the only thing that they know about the Philippines. It's what the, yeah. it's what the world knows him and his family for. That will, that will never go away. So I think, you know, how will it affect him? I think he'll be judged. I mean, I think his performance as he'll be judged like any new president will be, diba. Pero may tong element of history na magiging parang, na magiging parang measuring stick as well. Yeah. So there's always that reference point, no? If every new if every new president has is compared to let's say their predecessor, siya may dagdag na his father and yeah. what happened under martial law. Internally, I think of course related to that. You know, when when people look at the Philippines, they'll also be looking about they'll also be looking at thing internal issues, no? 
internal issues, quote-unquote, na parang ano na yung mangyayari sa operations ng PCGG, ng CHR. So these are domestic issues, but nonetheless things that other governments and other people in other countries are watching and looking at and maybe deciding how to respond to if needed. Yeah. I'm not so sure kung, let's say, may, kung magkakaroon ba ito ng explicit effect, let's say, on our, on our foreign affairs. I just think it might, it certainly will be an influence yeah. in the way certain issues are handled. Let's say, kung gara siya ka-open to approve by the ICC on the drug war killings of the of the outgoing administration or how warm or cool he might be towards different countries. So, parang undercurrent siya, but I'm not sure kung magkakaroon ba talaga ng explicit effect. Yeah. And of course, for my last question, Sophia, parang wala namang may ayaw, wala namang may gusto na maging pangit yung foreign policy natin. Diba? Siya ang shift diplomat natin, siya yung mirror to the Philippines to the world. Gusto natin na we present a respectable stance to the international arena. Kahit na, of course, we want to be independent. We have to be, like, part, we have to make partners, allies, whatever. If he wants to have a solid foreign policy, if he wants to, yun nga, sabi mo kanina, lack of predictability ang nangyari sa under-administration. If he wants to stay away from what Duterte did, what should the incoming administration prioritize immediately upon mm-hmm. swearing into office first few months? Ano dapat yung gawin agad nila? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure may oh no, laundry list of items, no? but I think three things I'll point out. Unang-una, kailangan talaga na he'll stay true to his word. He'll stick to his word. And when you think about that, there's so many opportunities already, right? Starting with what we mentioned earlier about following through with action when it comes to his promise to protect the Hague ruling. Dapat hindi lang magiging parang jet ski remark ni Duterte, diba? Um, yun talaga yung isang tanong ng mga observers and experts. Ito ba yung version ng jet ski remark ni Duterte for Marcos? Or, you know, will it actually be followed through by by concrete action and consistent action? So, the first would be exactly that, to stick to his word and to realize na, you know, words matter, especially if you're the president. Yeah. And as you mentioned, and as we mentioned earlier, to usher in, to really usher in more stability with our partners. I think magagawa din ito by, by just being clear about what are his core values or what are the things that matter. Democracy, democracy ba? Human rights ba? Rule of law? That's another thing. And I think, you know, if you want to have, if the incoming administration wants to have a solid foreign policy, really, the bottom line should always be na kung, diba Jules, yung title ng podcast natin, US or China ba, ang mananaig sa Marcos administration. Well, you know, bottom line should be Filipinos. Filipinos dapat. National interests, our national interests are protected. Filipinos are prioritized. And that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not who you'll side with because the answer isn't, you know, which country, this country or that country. It's the Philippines. So I think that's really how the incoming administration could have a solid foreign policy. What a great closing, Sophia. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> mo yung title ng podcast ko. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, because of course, 31 million voted for this guy. And hindi na naman 30 million ang nakasalalay sa kanya. The entire hundred, 
ano ba population ng Philippines ngayon? 100 million Filipinos. That's Filipino, di ba? Yung nakabota naman yeah. sa kanya, Filipino. Hindi naman yeah. US or... Yes. Actually, so, yeah, but like, yeah. Filipino. So, all, all eyes will be on him starting June 30. Especially, he wants to uh, join the UN General Assembly this coming September, which is going to be very interesting considering that yung stance ng presidente natin before regarding the UN. And of course, naman yung, yung standing ni Marcos himself sa United States because we know mga uh, contempt cases, if I remember correctly, na ang dami-daming issue dyan. Mm-hmm. So yun, ang dami-daming issue tungkol sa foreign policy. Pero sana wag kang, mag, wag kang magkasawa na sum- pumunta sa podcast at kausapin kami tungkol dito kahit na alam ko. Uh, sour of DC ng mga nangyayari ngayon. Uh, this is the only issue you cover. Pero yun. So para sa ating mga viewers na gustong sumali sa discussion about this and other issues in the Philippines, pwede kayo sumali sa Facebook group na Rappler na tinatawag na Rappler Room. So maraming salamat, Sophia, for joining me today. Iinvitahan ulit kita siguro pag, pag naging much solid na yung plans ni Marcos at eventually uh, weeks before the UNGA para pag-usapan natin kung bakit ito importante at ano yung pag-uusapan at bakit importante na pag-usapan yung mga bagay na na-neglect siguro ng Duterte administration. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rapture and News Rake sa Facebook pati na rin sa Twitter. Kung gusto mo na access to exclusive content and events, pwede ka sumali sa Rapture Plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic that you think we should discuss in our podcast, pwede ka mag-email sa investigative at trapper.com. Again, I'm Jules Gavilan, and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us continue to do what we do by contributing to Rappler. You can support us by making a donation of any amount through rplr.co slash support Rappler. That's rplr.co slash support Rappler. Or click on the link in the description. Your donation directly supports fearless, independent journalism in the Philippines.